What's the story? I know a lot of you are not in Australia listening to this and you're all over the world and Ireland and America and England and so on, so you probably won't like the next bit I'm going to say, which is, once again, it seems like music is happening this weekend in particular. Coming up is uh, in Victoria, where I'm based, is... Uh, it's called Labor Day weekend. There's, there's so much music on this weekend, uh, and it's just it's 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 exciting. And like last week, I got to go to an old time session, which had probably about about fifteen people there. And it was a great session, first one since all of COVID. And just it was magic to be able to get along to it. And then this weekend in Victoria, there's two kind of big, small, big, big but small uh, session focused. Uh, gatherings happening which are, which is brilliant and yeah i'm kind of wondering will we see a will we see a change in the music or the culture after the last 12 months i wonder if there's going to be anything you can kind of put your finger on now probably won't be for a year or two down the road or maybe the maybe the lockdown wasn't long enough to have a huge impact it kind of it reminded me of well, there's lots of moments in history where one thing like one thing happens which leads to a, a different type of music emerging so i don't know like the one we've spoke about on here the the session scene and how that came about in in london um one from my dance music life is i was really in, in kind of 2004 through to like maybe yeah late 2000s <clears throat> I was really interested in a genre called dubstep. Now, dubstep, a lot of people would probably know of now as like a very chaotic, uh, it's almost a meme sound. It's that like jump to noise. I'm not going to try and do it. But before that, in the early 2000s, or 2004, when I was living in Brisbane, we were putting on dubstep parties with Mega Blast Sound System. And... It was a very different genre back then. It was very deep. It was brooding. It was about, you know, getting locked in for a number of hours and just kind of getting taken on a journey. I know this is a cliche, but getting on a taken on a journey by a DJ. And then the music itself was starting to change a little bit. And then with the smoking ban, the smoking ban actually came in in the UK. It timed up with that. What it, the timings wasn't exactly the same with Australia, but the smoking ban that came in the UK meant that people were kind of coming and going, coming and going, and DJs just started tend to play kind of heavier tunes, tunes that were going to really get a dance floor to, to move. And then that became just like banger after banger after banger after banger, and then now we have the mess of a genre that is known as dumpstep. So the, the reason I'm thinking about that is, you know, we've just had a, a year of either playing in our own, playing within our own household, or sitting on Zoom, which... Yeah, look, I ha- I've had some really nice times on Zoom in the lockdown. I'm not saying it's a it's a disaster, but I just wonder what are going to be the little things that come out the other side. Well, maybe maybe songs will be more popular. Maybe solo pieces. Maybe obscure tunes will start appearing in in session repertoires because you know if you're woodshedding, whatever level you're at, you're gonna. Yes, you're gonna you're gonna work on the basics, but you're also gonna try and dig in and dig down and dig deep and find these little chestnuts that you you know of or you've heard once, and this is gonna be the time to learn it. So I think there's gonna be 
exciting things to report back on in a year's time. Fingers crossed, you know what I mean? It has the potential to, to do something with that. I'm sure the whole scene is going to feel a bit different. New faces, old faces. It, it's all going to be, be interesting. I, I, I should set a reminder to kind of check back in on this and, and see if I've been able to put my finger on anything. If you have put your finger on anything, please shoot me an email. Let me know. Like I, I love this kind of stuff. Um, Right. Um. Let's do the Patreon stuff and then I'll get on to this week's uh, guest. So, <clears throat> sorry to keep repeating this week in, week out, but, you know, people come, people go. Lots of things are changing in people's lives. Um, change is inevitable and that is understood and you just kind of roll with it. So, Patreon for the uninitiated is a service where you become a patron of the podcast, which is essentially you chip in a few dollars. It's like an expensive cup of coffee a month or like a cheap pint a month really if you go in at the lowest tier um if you want to go in even lower please do if you want to go in higher please do as well so that's patreon.com forward slash balarney pilgrims um that's really what makes this podcast viable to create every week because other, otherwise with the amount of work it takes there's just no way it would be feasible to to show up and put these amount of hours in without your help so thank you so much to the patron saints that are behind us already if you can't be a patron saint and i keep saying this i think it's really important that's totally cool um this was supposed to be a a project which would help people with like as i learn i was hoping other people might learn too right so that's really the, the basis of why i'm show why i show up every week um and i it the intention to have it as a free podcast and a podcast that doesn't have ads or advertising in it like this what you're hearing now is the only bit of advertising there's nothing in the whole rest of the next conversation that's an ad or a call for you to support us we just want that time to be special to be able to lock it off and and lose yourself in that conversation and we want that to be as free for as many people usually the payoff is it's free but you're the product right which means someone else gets to advertise into your ears in the middle of the in the middle of content i really feel i don't want to be involved in that system particularly i don't mind partnering with reputable people that reflect maybe my views but the likes of car advertisers or alcohol brands just that i've no control over just dropping it in the middle is something i'm not interested in so if if you want to keep it this way keep it free for the majority few pennies for the rest um that would be really really appreciated right today's guest i'm really excited about gronya brady uh one of our listeners got in contact and said hey darren if you don't know who gronya is uh check out her first album and she's just about to release the second album i think knowing the kind of stuff you're into i think you're going to get a lot out of this and yeah stuck my nose into the first album and was blown away what i love is Gronya's albums have been concept albums based around the writings of Patrick McGill and yeah I, I love Gronya's story and definitely the uh, the execution of these two albums is absolutely well worth having a listen just so we can uh, explore that a bit deeper and this is one of the experimental episodes where we're playing the music off a CD and not having Gronya perform them live perform them live you'll hear while hopefully them it's kind of similar to how when we interviewed una monaghan that you know 
the soundscape and the the sound design and everything else that goes along with these pieces really are integral to forming the whole. So that's why the choice was made to, to do that and not try to recreate it playing live. Um, look, I hope you really enjoy. I definitely enjoy this chat with Gronje. Let's get into it. Silver skies with silence shod, and girdled by the Milky Way, and set with stars of brightest ray, as fits the far-off paths of God. I've slept with them in lonely lands. Here came the city vomit thence to take the house and claim the fence, built with the toil of calloused hands. gin shops smell, and stagnant models smoke the town. I've shared their plaints when out and down. My brothers, don't I know them well? I've begged with them from door to door, and thought unutterable things of lands where courtiers and where kings still grind the faces of the poor. Gronya Brady, welcome to the Balarney Pilgrims podcast. Hi, Darren. How are you going? Good, thank you. 
So what did we just listen to? So that was the title track of my first album, The Road Across the Hills, consisting of two tunes, the first one called The Fair at Shaban and the second one called Beyond the Sea. Right. Okay. And then the narrator, what's that accent? I'm I'm trying to pick it and I can't. Um, So that was a Donegal accent, um, the voice of Jack Houston, who's a fiddle player from Donegal, who I met over here in Glasgow. He's been studying here. And the words Jack is speaking, they're lifted, like they, they are part of the overall concept behind this album, is that right? Yeah, so the uh, the music was inspired by the writing of Patrick McGill, who was um, who wrote a novel called Children of the Dead End, but he was also known as the Navi poet. Um, he wrote a lot of poetry about his life as a labourer or a Navi. Um, and so them words were from one of his poems called Anavi's Philosophy. So where are you from originally? I'm from County Cavan in Ireland. Whereabouts in Cavan? Uh, near Lockduff, near Balanya, uh, which is on the main road between, well, it, the old main road from Cork to, to um, Belfast, but um, there's, it's not as, you, it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's new roads, there's better roads now, but um so a lot of people would know Balanya, but I'm actually from a little place called Lockduff. Have you been out of there a long while now? Um, yeah, nearly 10 years, actually. Yeah, I moved to Glasgow about nine and a half years ago now. Did you come from or do you come from a musical family? Yeah, um, my parents both play fiddles and they taught me and my siblings all to, to play fiddles as well. But we we played various other instruments, including pianos and guitars and all sorts and Ilan Pipes might have a brother that plays the pipes um yeah so there's 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 always been lots of instruments and music in the house and mum and dad were teachers my dad taught us yeah right how was that is that a a positive experience or did a kind of daughter dad tension come into it (laughs) um I suppose yeah I mean I, I suppose it's hard getting kids to practice every day <laughs> um yeah uh i got us all playing at least so that's good <laughs> did, did you enjoy it what age did you start uh quite young like i mean he had us sort of scraping at tiny fiddles from we were toddlers you know <laughs> it's something that i'm i'm fascinated with it myself too and i'm sure listeners are tired of me talking about it but i'm struggling getting my uh fellas my two twin boys interested in it and not just interested, but motivated for it. And like, I get it. I wasn't motivated when I was a kid either. So then for you, was it that, was it, did you enjoy, like you just, you couldn't wait to turn up every day or was it that, you know, dad was teaching, so you just had to show up and then eventually it became something that you fell in love with? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think up till the age of th- of 10 or so, I really, lo- like, you know, I did love it. And I, I you know, I, I don't like, I don't remember starting it I've just remember always playing it but I used to play the piano as well and I just sort of naturally took to it and I you know constantly practiced but then I don't know you go through phases where you don't want to just for whatever reason you you just kind of lose interest because you've got other interests you know as kids always have other interests um and when I was a teenager I completely lost interest really in the fiddle for a few years well not not completely I I still practiced my allotted time but I didn't really 
like I wasn't that interested in it and I was playing the guitar more and I was into rock music and that um and then in my late teens I sort of discovered se- I well like I had been always going to sessions but because I was young and it was all adults and you know you you just it's it's not very fun for a kid usually unless you're playing with lots of other kids but yeah I I wasn't until I was 19 or something that I started going to sessions again and learning tunes myself and up till then I'd sort of my dad had taught me tunes but then I started recording tunes and learning them and I kind of got a lot of satisfaction out of that so that got that sort of got my me interested again but luckily like my dad had kept me playing throughout my teens like even if it was just 10 minutes a day so I still had the sort of ability to learn tunes on the fiddle or whatever so I got super into like sessions and that and it was just I mean you know yourself I don't know if you go to any sessions in Australia but it's such a lovely social event it's interesting and I think you're right when you say that often it's not fun for for young kids because like just thinking like a lot of sessions are often you know there's a big age discrepancy a lot of a lot of times just run by old men and it's not you know it wouldn't be the most important place I'd imagine so then when you were 19 and you found this other session was were were there a lot more people in there that were of your peer group yeah I think I had at that stage learned some more like as well when I was say 12 I didn't know that many tunes and you'd be sitting in a session with a load of adults not even able to play the tunes you know that that sort of way and I suppose as a as a kid it doesn't occur to you to try and to learn them but I I don't know this was probably before I would have like there was this was before phones (laughs) mobile phones where you could just record or whatever um even there were mobile phones, but you could, they didn't, they weren't that modern. Um, yeah. So I think when I was about, you know, 17, 18, 19, there was a local session where there was young, younger people like late teens, early twenties that used to all meet up. So it was more my age group. Um, and my brother was go. one of my brothers was going as well. Um, so I started going to that and then I recorded some tunes and I learned them and, yeah, it just sort of, I it just, I suppose it's a situation, it's kind of a situation that you're in that there happened to be a session with youngsters and um, I just was sort of, look, yeah, I was just looking for, I, I was kind of at that stage sick of going to like nightclubs and that sort of thing. I preferred the pub, um, the pub sort of surrounding um, and then oh, it's just fun playing, playing tunes that you like or whatever, so. How many siblings do you have and what do they play? So I have four siblings and they all play fiddle. And then I have a brother that also plays mandolin and another brother who also plays uh, illum pipes. Okay, so where were you in the four? I am second youngest. Was music a thing that was played as a group, like as a family unit around the house? Yeah, yeah. It's always been... um, yeah, and I, I grew up in the house that my dad grew up in. So, like, even when he was young, it was a party house and his aunt played the fiddle and, you know, various members of his family sang. So there'd always be Kayleys in the house and um, a tune in the corner and a sing song or whatever. So that kind of carried on when we were growing up. And, yeah, regularly did be, did have a party and there'd always be a session with their friends. And, yeah, and my parents have a local session that they go to that that's been running i mean um 
pre-COVID, it was running for about 30 years or something, the same in the same pub. So, and they've been going for on and off for that length of time. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did your dad remain your teacher for the entirety of your time in Ireland or did you change? Um, I suppose I kind of went off on my own in my late teens and then like on, I've had um, I've like generally like he's been the most consistent teacher but I've had lessons off or master classes off different teachers uh, like Jim McKillop who's a great fiddle player um, he's from Northern Ireland he lives in in Dundalk and he actually is a luthier as well um, yeah when I being here in Glasgow, I've got a master class of, say, Patsy Reed, who's a wonderful fiddle player from Perthshire, um, and that kind of um, that kind of thing. So, would you still have a tune when you go home? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. We always have a, a tune and a sing along. <laughs> ah, do you sing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been. It's been something I've been meaning to get into for a few years, more for the reason that more for the reason that I'd love to if you're at a party and everyone like you know everyone's having a song you know you want you want to be able to sing a song because if someone I found like people say oh everyone has one song but I didn't even have one song that I could sing through so it's something I've been trying to get into so I've just been trying to learn song I've been I bought a tenor guitar last year and I've just been trying to learn some songs and writing some songs as well and that sort of thing so it's just a really nice it's like it's nice to play tunes but uh, like being able to sing some songs is way more accessible to so many so many more people if it doesn't uh expose you too much do you mind if i ask what was the first song you you went to learn i can't i don't even know oh that i learned do you mean that i learned recently um i suppose actually the first song just like a song I learned recently that I sort of went, okay, this is this is a song I'm going to perform. Was this? It was a song my dad sang at the house at Christmas two or three years ago, and it was called "A Little Touch Cabin." And he'd learned he had learned it off like a grand aunt of his that she she was a well known singer in the area, and um, she uh, anyway he he had sort of like he 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 knew it from her singing, but then. A friend of his gave him some, gave him a CD that he had made that he had, um, he put some recordings from old tapes from parties in our house, like in the seventies, um, in the, or the sixties or something, and um, so that song was actually on it. So my dad relearned it a couple of years ago, and now he kind of sings it at parties or whatever. So I heard it and I thought it was just lovely. So I learned it. <laughs> And it's fascinating with the, having the tapes from the from the house because obviously if it's a if it's been a party house for forever, was taping tape was taping the music a a common occurrence? Yeah, I suppose people were starting maybe in the seventies and eighties anyway. People were starting to buy these fancy tape recorders and taking them along to parties and probably probably to learn tunes and just to record the night or whatever the equivalent of now sticking stuff on Instagram. <laughs> yeah yeah do you know if the, does there do, is there still some of the tapes around um i'm not sure about tape but like the cd that i mentioned is lying around yeah the cd that someone gave us 
of the tape recordings. Oh, lovely. Um, do you think we could have a, a listen to another tune? Yes, of course. Um, actually, before we do that, I just wanted to find out too, because I do find it interesting the paths people take. So, were you were you involved with the with cultists at all, like the, the competitive side of? Uh, I wasn't really. No, though we used to go to flags a lot. Yeah, um, but I I wasn't my. My dad wasn't that keen on us entering competitions, and I—I I mean, I never showed any interest. So, like, um, yeah, I never entered competitions. But we used to go to the flas, like especially the All Ireland yeah. flas at the, the Calvin County Fla or whatever a lot. So, what do you know? Why Dad wouldn't wasn't overly keen to have you entering? I mean, it, it's that sort of thing where, like art is subjective and um it can really crush a youngster if if they're told oh this person is better than you or whatever even though they might be at a different stage of their playing career or well very extremely young playing career i think think that was the reason yeah i'm torn with it myself because i i obviously well i it's not obvious but i didn't grow up within any of any of that so i didn't i didn't play when i was a kid but and i also wasn't playing in Celtis and stuff like that but the more and more people that i, I talk to there are so many on, on the same side as maybe yourself and your dad where the, the very similar things of what you've just said around art being subjective and how it can crush a kid to the other side of it which is the the social aspect and the the club aspect and the i'm really i, I still i'm not I I I don't know where I sit on it, and I think like I'm looking at my kids. Maybe maybe it works for some kids. Like I actually think that the competitiveness, the competitive nature for kids who are like my kids who are sports fanatics, actually might be a a a, a road in for them. But I, who knows? It's all subjective, I suppose. At this stage, it's just it's just nice to hear the other side of the of the the story like people are expressing that the art for art's sake is something to to pedestal rather than the other way around because competitions can also often get pedestaled very easily because they're competitions right yeah yeah i i definitely think there's it does a lot of positivity about it as well like i think um that was I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the main reasons one of the reasons I lost interest as a teen is I had no like I didn't no one my age and none of my friends played um you know I I was like there wasn't anyone in my school really that I knew that played or anyone in my year um so I think there's a lot of benefit to the cultist competitions because you know when I was then in my 20s and was meeting people my age they all knew each other because they'd been competing for years Mm -hmm. so yeah that was that's one thing I think it's really good for youngsters to be meeting each other and it, it does keep them interested in that way i know you studied in glasgow but did, sorry did, did you do all your study in glasgow or just masters no i studied in dublin first i done my undergraduate in dublin and then uh, masters here so what was your undergraduate in physics right okay um and did you play much when you're in, in Dublin? Is that when you were getting into, like, the, when you were talking about the sessions when you were kind of 18, 19? Is that where that was starting to happen in, in Dublin? Yeah, yeah. I, I played um, 
I played a fair bit in the cobblestone and some other pubs I can't bring to mind just now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've always loved the cobblestone, so I used to go there quite a bit. Yeah, it's a it's such a nice pub. The what did that was that a big did that play a big role in your life when you were studying or was kind of studying the the main kind of focus for you or was did music take over? Um, I suppose like well, I mean, I went to college at seventeen, so I wasn't really into going to sessions for another couple of years. Um, so I suppose the second half of college I was going going more first half I was sort of just doing the studenty thing and going to the usual sort of places um yeah I, I'm, I'd imagine studying physics doesn't leave a whole lot of time for session either oh I mean you can always find time for sessions <laughs> yeah yeah right how about if we have that um that tune what I'd like if it's okay with you I'd love to play newcomer from your new album if sure that's all thing right. Let's listen to that. While the pale stars glow, while the world shall last. On the present hopes, and on hours of woe, on a dreamy past. Thank you. 
Love will live while the pale stars glow, while the world shall last, on the present hopes and in hours of woe, on a dreamy past. Love will live while the flowers bloom and the meadows wave, nor yet be quenched by the charnel tomb, the ghastly grave. For o'er the tomb and the silver stars, to the gates above, the soul will seek in the great afar the endless love. Thanks, Gorney. That's such a beautiful piece. Who um, who plays flute on it? So on flute there is Tina Jordan-Reese, who is, uh, well, she's also a piano player um, and and Irish dancer from Lancashire in England, but oh. um, lives in Glasgow and has lived here for, she was here, lived, moved here before I even lived here and she studied at the conservatoire and um, she studied music here, so... Yeah, it's beautiful playing on it. It's such a lovely piece. So, um, what 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 took you to Glasgow? Uh, so I also came over to study, um, and just in got quite integrated into the, um, into the scene here. Um, I had been advised to. I'd been deciding between Glasgow and Edinburgh. I just kind of wanted a change from. I wanted to move to another country, but. I didn't want to move too far away <laughs> from Ireland, and um, someone advised, or a couple of people advised me about to move to Glasgow because there's just a great music scene here, and there's Celtic connections every January. So I took them up on that, and as just as soon as I arrived, I've just felt welcomed and just had a lot of fun. There's a lot, there's just so many musicians here, and that. So, do you remember? Do you remember why you want, wanted to leave? I just like you, you'd said you said it was a kind of you, you knew you wanted to go somewhere but you just didn't want to go too far away but do you remember what with the sense of what that driver was not really just you're young and you just want to change yeah fair enough that, that's as simple as it is right yeah. sometimes <laughs> I, I, did that, I did that 19 years ago and look, look where it wow. <laughs> um so um you were is that when you went to, you went over there and is that you did, is that when you started your masters? Yeah, yeah. And that's in mathematics, is yeah. that right? Had you spent much time in Glasgow before you went over? No, there? I'd never been. So what 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 was your first impressions of of the place when you got there? So what age were you at first? I should kind of get uh, I was twenty three, I think. And right. Yeah, I just immediately really liked it. I just, I, I, I was just astounded at how many, like, 
people, young people sort of, I, I mean, I when I say young, I mean between the ages of like 18 and 40, that sort of, age, like there was just so many young people playing. Um, mm-hmm. Or even, you know, less than 30, or sort of, there was just so many people my age um, playing yeah. music and there was sessions every night, sometimes a few sessions a day in various places. And I, um, yeah, it was just, uh-huh. the scene was just quite alive trad music but also like lots of others just just a huge general music scene there's lots of other kinds of music so so in the in the early years where were your your normal haunts that you were visiting like what what pubs were you mostly in so i first started going to a pub called the ben nevis which is really well known in trad circles in scotland anyway it's just a sort of there's like three sessions a week there um so a lot of people, that's sort of the go-to pub. And it's it's just a really nice pub, aside from that. It's kind of like the cobblestone of Glasgow, if that makes sense. And um, right. yeah, it's just a great pub. They do good Guinness and there's lots of whiskey, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, so I start, that was sort of the, the place I started going to. And then a couple of years later, I started up my own session in a place called the Lismore Bar, which has the sort of, the same, it's just down the road from the Ben Nevis and it's got the same sort of decor and feel for it so it's a really nice place for a session and i was running that session up until covid <laughs> right oh, this this is a question that goes around my mind a lot but what what drives you to start your own session like i know there's there'll be personal things which i'd like to hear about too but like what what's the what are the other kind of greater things you're trying you, you're trying to achieve from it i don't know i suppose it's a little bit of money um that a little bit of pocket money but also I suppose it's just nice to just sort of have a have your own sort of little space that you're playing every week but also sometimes someone might approach you and ask you if you can start it up and actually that's what happened with the Lismore I was working there behind the bar and the manager was looking for some trad music on a Tuesday night and he 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 was someone told him that I done trad and uh, he asked me if I could organise that, so I did. It, it might not be, but it kind of strikes me as something that may be a bit daunting. Like, did you find it daunting to have your own session? Um, not really. <laughs> I suppose cause I'm, I'm maybe because I'm I'm maybe over overthinking what it means because I kind of people that run sessions kind of there's famous and there's infamy it's kind of sometimes people that run sessions become like cult figures because of like that's the, that's their session like that, that it's associated with that person and I'm, and i suppose thinking too that if you're still quite young in a, in a new city that i suppose maybe the excitement counterbalances that or i'm just thinking too much about it which i just said yeah i think you're right um in that but and I think now people always associate like so the Tina that I mentioned earlier that's playing flute on that on that track she also started the set the two of us kind of started together um so a lot everyone kind of associates that session with us um but right. I suppose and yeah you're right then it's I suppose it's a big responsibility but I that's not something I really thought about at the start to be honest uh, um yeah I was just uh yeah we i mean we ended up running it then for whatever six or seven years i think seven in total 
until COVID, so. <laughs> It'll come back. Is it a mixed session? Is it all Irish or is it a mixture of Scottish and Irish? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on if it's just me and Tina. She, she kind of grew up playing Irish music on the flute, so it does tend to be more Irish trad. Though we've, we both play Scottish tunes as well, but our default is sort of Irish tunes. So, like, it depends on who shows up. If, you know, if a lot of Scottish players come show up, we'll play whatever they want to play or you know, you try and start tunes that are, that you think that whoever's present might know or whatever. What well, if you had to kind of say what the difference between like a traditional, a more of an Irish session and a more of a Scottish session, are there some kind of markers that you'd say, well, look, this kind of generally happens in one and not in the other and vice versa? I I, I think they're, they're very similar. Um, it's just a different repertoire, I suppose. Right, but the um, like the etiquette and there's that that's all the same as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. It's it, and I, I suppose I'm asking that because I'm of an interest in American old time music and I am exposed to Irish sessions and and old time sessions and there's there's a lot of kind of little like once you see the differences they're they're pretty glaringly obvious and I just wondered if that existed with the the Scottish as well. But. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'd actually. I hadn't really gone to or been in an old time session till last year. Uh, a friend of mine started one in Glasgow, and I mean, I mean, the etiquette is is very similar. You know, you're, but like, yeah, I was surprised at how subtly different it was, and yeah, it was. Re- I really like the old time sessions. I especially like playing the same tune like over and over because if you don't know it, you can learn it. <laughs> Well, that's exactly it. I just I hadn't I hadn't been to a session in, oh, I, I definitely all last year, and I got to one just this weekend. I'm still buzzing from that's it. That's great. And yeah, I like walked away with a new tune because I reckon I reckon they would have played it for six minutes, if not yeah, eight minutes. Yeah, it's lovely. And by the end of it, I was going, I bloody, I've got this, I've got this. And then I come home and I play it. I'm like, I'm bloody stoked. <laughs> that never happens in an hour session. I come home and I'm like, right. Yeah, yeah. It does like go. tends to be. A tune played every minute nearly <laughs> yeah so do you um i know you've been there for a, a long time but do you go back to ireland often like is, is traveling back a part of what happens for you yeah i try to go back every every couple of months at least but sometimes it just i mean you know yourself life just suddenly passes you like suddenly i think last year i'd um yeah i'm oh well i suppose i'd I'd been home at Christmas and then COVID hit and I then I don't think I got home then till July when things eased up quite a bit. Um but like I suppose the diff like between January and I like I I'd yeah, between January and March obviously I hadn't gone home, but I suppose that's just a two month period. I'll probably try and go home every maybe three months. Does does Scotland feel like it's detached from Ireland in that regard or do you, does it kind of feel like you're in maybe like I don't know County Glasgow because it is kind of close and there's a lot of Irish around or do you kind of do you feel like you're in a different country and you're you're, you're you are separated from Ireland yeah yeah it's it's quite a bit well, like I suppose you can you can drive over I suppose and get the ferry um if you have a car or get them and and there is a bus you can get but 
yeah, it definitely feels separate. When when in your time there did you start composing your own music? Um, I suppose I've always composed a bit and had been composing a bit bef- before I'd moved. Um, but beyond just like writing some tunes, I hadn't really honed in on any skill. Like, yeah, I hadn't honed in on like ways to, you know, anything else or ways to improve on my tunes or like, yeah, I, I suppose I hadn't really thought much about like accompaniment or chords or anything until the last few years. Mm. Um, and it, it, sorry, it was that that did that did that come because to kind of serve composing or was it like how how did they when did you have the realization that you needed to do that? I suppose just throughout the years of being here, like you're meeting so many amazing musicians here and great composers that they sort of inspire you to try and do the same i get i get a sense too that we we a city like glasgow and the kind of the, the music that comes out of there you wouldn't have just been like in an in the r scene as well like do you, do you kind of surround yourself or or dabble in other kind of genres and other musics yeah yeah i'm i tr- like i try to i do try to <laughs> like there's a there's a lovely jazz scene here as well and there's jazz sessions. Um, I mean, that jazz just goes over my head, but I would love to understand it better. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I was going to an old-time session, so I, I learned a few old-time tunes. And um, and then, I, you know, someone might come into our session and play a bluegrass tune, and i try and learn that and that sort mm. of thing. So I just, I, I kind of... If I'm at a session and someone pl- it, if someone plays a tune I don't know I learn it and if that ends up if that if that happens to be a bluegrass tune then that doesn't sort of deter me or anything I'll just sort of learn anything. And I, I suppose part of why I'm asking you that too is um, I was watching some of the the Roots Quartet YouTube clips as well and I I don't have the the language to to describe it what, like. So can you describe, I suppose is what I should ask, could you describe what the Roots Quartet are and what, and what you do in that? Um, okay, so the Roots Quartet started in 2014 um, with myself and three others that were also Glasgow-based musicians. Um, we just wanted to sort of, um, one of the, the sort of, uh, one of the girls that kind of spearheaded the project, Emma Tomlinson, she's uh, a viola player, um, and violin player originally but she moved to Glasgow and you know got re- really into trad and is now a trad player and she wanted to start a band that was like classical instrumentation but played trad tunes and sort of utilized um so viola which isn't like well cello cello's more up and coming now and in the trad world a lot more trad players play cello but viola is very much up and like it's it's not as well known so she really wanted to utilize those instruments and um so we started the band um released an album but I actually left the band a couple of years ago just to pursue my own stuff um and I just I just was quite busy at the time so um so she's yeah does does a, a different lineup just now but um yeah they've got check them out because um uh, they've got new they'll have new stuff coming out soon um when when you knew that you were leaving the band, you had your own project 
on the on the boil did 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 you have a clear idea of your first album at this stage yeah this was after my first album came out okay right i do want to speak to you about that in more detail so i think if we could maybe listen to another tune and then on the other side of that i'd love to speak about both the albums with you sure so i was thinking for this one if it was our view i'd play um by and by yeah sure who sings on by and by me is that i was because you know i was going around and i was finding like everywhere else like i was finding the the tunes i was finding a name beside it and there wasn't any name beside it so i was going grania hasn't said it to her brilliant oh lovely all right well that's a treat then i'd like to ask you about singing on the other side of this as well then
But the way of existence she never was told The fire that once brightly blazed in the grate Is smouldering gently The cold seals its fate No, I still got you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Grony. That it's just so haunting. It's so nice, and knowing that you sing on it. That's, oh, thank you. That really threw me. I didn't know thank that. You. Do, do you play? Do you play piano on it as well? I do not. No. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't really keep up the piano. Well, like I, I've played on and off, but I'm. Yeah, my skills are extremely basic, and <laughs> um, that's that's an, a guy, Michael Biggins, on piano. He's amazing. Well, once you told me that you you were the singer, like when I was listening to it, I was going, oh my God, I bet you I've missed a whole lot of stuff. I bet you that's her playing piano as well. <laughs> so I was kind of going, oh Jesus. So uh, I really want to speak about both the albums and when we were, before when we were getting ready for the interview, I, I, I did that stumble over saying the word concept album. And they they are fantastic albums but they're, they're, they're concept albums and i think in my mind I, I don't know why but there's a bit of a, a a taboo with concept albums for whatever reason that's maybe just on me but can you take me through them a little bit more i know you touched on them at the start but so with the first album how did that come about and where where did the kind of the seed of the idea to to do this album come yeah so i i suppose i was looking for as something a concept to base my album on um i suppose for a few reasons it's sort of more it gives you kind of a talking point but it also just gives you something to have your music inspired by um and i just remember that book that i my dad had like my dad was a big fan of mcgill and he had introduced us to his to his work and i read um i'd read a couple of his books but i'd forgotten about them and um yeah I think it was like four years ago now I just it popped into my head and I thought oh I must I must reread that um and I just I thought oh maybe I could it could be like you know I write music about his journey to Scotland and I sort of also at the same time documenting my journey to Scotland and my learning new music from various people or whatever um so yeah that's kind of how the idea was born and I just sort of worked on the music and um and then a year later recorded it and then a year after that released it and then but the and the process the whole time was it were you keeping because i haven't read the the book and i'm looking forward to getting into it but did you kind of is it is it kind of how would you describe it is it chronological with the books are the are the, are the tunes on the album in in time or theoretically with the with the book like representation of what happens in the book yeah so I, I, each track it takes you from it is chronological it takes you from start to finish of the book and um so say you've got, you know we've got track one, track one which is kind of depicting Donegal which is where where so basically the the book which is called Children of the Dead End it's it's a sort of autobiographical book but it's told like he's changed his name in it he like refers to himself as Dermot Flynn um it's kind of he tells it through third person, but it's actually stuff that happened to him. Um, and it starts off in Donegal. Um, and then he 
goes over to Scotland to pick potatoes, which a lot of Irish workers did up and like I mean up until fairly recently, Irish workers all um went over for seasonal work to pick potatoes in Scotland. And so he he done that and this was at the turn of the twentieth century. Um and he ended up staying in Scotland and working around as a labourer. He worked up in Glencoe as a navy, which was a sort of uh, it's navy short for a navigational engineer. Um and it was just working on a big hydroelectric scheme up there. Um, and during the t- during his time working, he got really into literature and poetry and started writing his own poetry and got some of that, sent that to some newspapers to be published. And But his, his sort of um, trademark was writing about the working class. Um, and he was a, he was a big socialist um, and just was like, obviously at that time, it was a really much greater class system. Um, so he wrote about the laborers life and like what it was like for them while like, rich people were being rich and poor people were incredibly poor. Um, yeah, so he sort of publicized that. And then his, so he had all his, po- he published some books of poetry and then he published Children of the Dead End, which is what um, the the first album's inspired by. Um, and so I wrote tunes based on just sort of certain points in the book that I felt were, um, were important points, like or based on, characters or whatever and then I I got Jack to recite the poetry over the music um and the most of the most of the poetry is actually just from one poem called the Navi's Philosophy and it's a really it's like a 20 verse poem so it kind of lasts nearly wow. throughout the whole album <laughs> what what year did uh, was uh, Children of the Dead End I think 1912 roughly or 1913 possibly yeah roughly then I think maybe 1912 it was published. the The poverty that was, the poverty of, of Glasgow, and, and and I'm sure any major city too, that played a huge role. Was there also a kind of was there, like was there a sectarian or was there a a, being Irish in Scotland, did that make life extra awkward for people then, or was it not 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 it was more just the poverty. Um. I, I he actually a lot there's a lot of Scottish characters in him in the book that he worked with. Um yeah, I mean he, he writes about it's just general like I mean it was obviously a lot of Irish people, but um when he works up in Glencoe there's like Gaelic speakers and a lot of Scottish people there and Irish. So it's like people of all cultures really that you know, those the class system existed um kind of throughout like throughout throughout scotland as well so like there was a lot of yeah it, that doesn't say like, none of that sort of features heavily really in the book he sort of writes about everyone that just is um the working class or even lower than the working class so one of the things i notice on, on listening to it, it there are there's moments throughout the album when it it sounds kind of quite theatrical and I'd, I'd 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 kind of pick that from a ear just, and it's something I enjoy anyway. Um, I'd 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 pick that before I knew that you were working possibly on a on a, on a theatre show as well. So is a theatre show for this album or, or or the your new album? So the new album, um, it, so basically after Children of the Dead End was published. 
uh, McGill released another book called The Rat Pit, which is based on uh, a girl that he went to school with that also went over to Scotland at the same time. Um, and they were kind of childhood sweethearts, but then got separated in Scotland and went off, done their own thing. And he kind of spent years looking or thinking about her and looking for her. And he did eventually find her. So after Children of the Dead End was published, he done some research to find out like what, you know, what had happened to her and uh, wrote a book then on her life. So the second album is in the same way, in the same way the first album is inspired by Children of the Dead End, the second album is inspired by the second book, The Rat Pit. Um, so the two books run on sort of on the same timeline to start in this roughly the early 1900s and finish in roughly 1910 or so. Um, and yeah, so I uh, serendipitously was put in touch with a writer, a theatre writer who was and director. That was Robert Ray, who's based in Edinburgh, who was looking to adapt the two books as a stage show. Um, and was looking for a composer to do that. Um, yeah, so we got put in touch. Oh, so not connected. Like the, the, the one was happening independently of the yeah. other. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was that was just a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> and so what's what what stage is that in at, at the moment? Um, we're still working away at it. The funding dependent. We might be touring it in the autumn, but. Um, and also COVID dependent, obviously. If not, then next year. And do you have much connection with Donegal as a as a place? Apart from visiting it, no. <laughs> well, I I mean I love Donegal. I've you know visited it as a child, and I've been to the Gaeltacht there. And yeah, I really like it. But yeah, I, I don't actually have relatives there, and um, it's just a, a lovely place, isn't it? <laughs> have these albums? I'm sure that they, that's, I, I can't imagine how they wouldn't, but I'm sure these albums have affected how you you think of the place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah, I went. I was over in Glen Column Kill uh, a couple of years ago, and like you go through Glenties to get there, which is actually where McGill was from, and there's a McGill summer school there every July, um, which is I think it's it's quite a political event. Uh, which I've never been to, but uh, I've, I've heard of it. So, yeah, it was nice to pass through his homeland. <laughs> when When is it being released? Because there's been a single from it that came out maybe two weeks ago. So this is being recorded on the, the 2nd of March. Um, when's the album actually being released? So the full album will be on Spotify on the 26th of March. It's currently... It's it's on Bandcamp now, so you can get it off Bandcamp. Um, at graniabrady.bandcamp.com, and Grania spelled G R A I N N E. Um, yeah, so it's on Bandcamp just now, and will be on Spotify at the end of March. And then, you know, actually speaking of Spotify, I saw something on Spotify on your Spotify which I hadn't seen before. It was like there's a PayPal artist contribution what what's that about um just what it says on the tin it's just a i think spotify set it up just after covid hit just to so artists had the option of putting their paypal details on on their pages if someone went and enjoyed their music and 
wanted to contribute um send them a, the price of a coffee or something so yeah yeah it, uh, well <clears throat> it, it sucks because you know what my i think my initial reaction was to go oh that's a that's a bloody brilliant idea that gives a gives gives us an opportunity to pay the artist and then as we said all fair before this well it's just <laughs> you'd think spotify would be able to put their hands in their very large deep pockets yeah. to to do something exactly. about it instead uh, Gronje, um thank you so much for people to keep an eye on things and particularly with the the, the theatre show and to read a bit more about you your website where, where can I send people so website is com, and then and Twitter ha- Twitter handle is Gronje Brady and Facebook is Gronje Brady Fiddle and Instagram is Gronje Brady Fiddle so on everything <laughs> perfect well, thank you so much for um your morning my evening um i i had a tune picked out to go out on but i just wanted to offer in case it was one that that you wanted to pick instead is there anything that you'd rather us play i was i was gonna play a tone but no i i like your choice yeah sure? i don't think anyone i don't think that's been played yet so it's good to get it played oh, brilliant thank you so much for your time going it's great talking to you Oh, you too. Yeah, thanks a million. Been great. is calling and the streams have lost their glory for the restless waters journey to the ever-moving sea and I am ever yearning as they seem to breathe a story of the better things to be the better things to be saying, hasten, 
we will cross the seas together, you and I together, to a fairer world than this. Say, does the mountain keep you, and the purple waving heather, or the little girl you kiss, the little girl you kiss? visceral the all of Gwonya stuff is so nice one thing I should have asked Gwonya about during the interview was uh, who did the art for her um, works as well because it is so nice so I've looked into it it's a guy called uh, Holly. I think that's his name Somali McDonald S-O-M-H-A-I-R-L-E M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D um, yeah gorgeous uh, paintings of the Donegal landscape um brilliant look thank you so much for that uh just a reminder again this podcast only exists because of the patrons who chip in to make it possible so your bloody legends thanks for giving us the opportunity to record that because that was brilliant if you think this is the week that you want to get involved you know what to do head over to balarney no don't head over to balarney head over to patreon.com forward slash balarney pilgrims all right legends catch you next week bye This project is supported by the City of Greater Geelong through its COVID-19 Arts, Culture and Heritage Recovery Grants Programme. Anya Baya. Hup. <laughs>